0: hey everybody welcome back to finance in a flash this week we continue our series on mid-career professionals and to do so we're back chip high miller chip how are you doing
1: i'm doing great nick how are you doing Glad good to be back on the on the podcast, it's yeah, uh, a pleasure.
0: I was about to say, Aaron hijacked you for a few weeks there um, with this series, so good to have you back. And today we're going to be talking about um, investments for mid-career professionals. And a lot of it is super, you know, it's simple, self-explanatory, but it's still an area where a lot of people can make mistakes, um, which is why we feel, you know, um, led to talk about it. And so... We really want to start this off as, you know, we we left last episode with Aaron where cash flow and emergency funds and once you build up a comfortable, comfortable emergency fund, you know, this is enough money where I feel good, I feel, you know, ready to maybe invest some, I have some excess cash coming in, I don't really know what to do with it, it's just going in savings, what can I do to maximize, you know, my return and, you know, kind of the longevity to get to my retirement plan. And so we're going to be talking about different investing strategies to do so. And the first one we're going to be talking about is investing in your 401k. And Chip, you can kind of take it from there. And what is maybe just a very brief sentence on what is a 401k If someone listening, like may not be super, um, Coherent with it, or may not exactly know what a 401k is, and then moving forward, how you can really maximize that that 401k plan.
1: Yeah, so a 401k is simply a uh, account that usually an employer sets up, and um, and it, it's really just facilitates saving directly to a retirement fund uh, for an employee's on an employee's behalf. And so, you know, oftentimes I'll just add that you know employers will have you know certain incentives for Uh, their employees to contribute to that because, you know, most employee employers really do want their uh, employees to uh, save for their own retirement. And so, you know, they will oftentimes uh, provide an employer match. And, um, and I think that's an important consideration whenever you're uh, saving for retirement.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And no, that, that is a good, um, that's a good thing. You know, the you really need to see what your company matches because some companies will match up to 3%, up to 4% of your salary. However, you will have to you know, contribute you know, 6% or 8% to get the match. So it's kind of, you know, you can talk to your, your HR person or plan sponsor, whoever it may be that's in charge of the plan that can give you details on that.
1: But the best part about the 401k is it's already established. It's an yeah. easy um, thing to do. You simply just kind of sign up for it and designate an investment option, and you're kind of uh, – off off in the races, as they say.
0: Yeah, and so that's a good segue into investment options. And for younger people, we really like to see them be more aggressive and more growth-oriented. Even if you're in your 40s, you know, still working, we still want to see that growth-oriented because you're not going to take money out of that that account to, what, 20, 30 years at the earliest?
1: Yeah, and that's a good point because oftentimes, you know, there's some real penalties should you need – or. Take money out of these accounts. There's some tax penalties. There's uh, p- also just penalties in general uh, that are assessed. So you, you're really going to have a long time horizon. You you, you know uh, at least until you know your age uh, mid fifties, uh, late, uh, late 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 fifties, early sixties even. You know so for most of these uh, the mid career professional crowd. You know you're going to want to maintain a fairly growth oriented posture just because you know at the end of the day. You have to think about stocks as perform. You know the returns are going to be better on stocks than they are on bonds for most longer periods of a to- of time. You know, I think there's very few times in history where bonds have outperformed stocks over you know, say, a ten-year rolling average.
0: Yeah, and that, that's a that's a good point. And also, you know, with those investment options. If if you you know you're listening to this and like oh my gosh I have no which is has been the case you know talking to friends colleagues and even you know clients I really don't know what my four one k invest is invested in it's usually invested in a target date fund if you're not sure that's usually what it defaults to um, and we have a whole podcast talking about target date funds um, but Chip if you kind of wanted to you know tell people what a target date fund is which if you have no idea, if you're, you know, I've been investing in my 401k, I'm not really sure what it's invested in, it's probably, odds are it's invested in target date fund. And if you could just add, you know, what is that and why it may be a good idea for someone to keep, to keep investing in that.
1: Yeah, so a target date fund is simply, you know, and you can you can recognize these right off the bat because normally they'll have something, a, a clever name that says, you know, target retirement date 2035. And that simply means that, you know, you expect to retire on twenty in, sometime in 2035. Yep. And so, you know, the investment objective of that particular fund would be kind of targeted towards distributions in 2035. And so, if you think about what might happen over time is maybe if it's, you know, right right now is 2021, you know, let's say that it's a fairly growth-oriented investment strategy right now. So, it's let's say it's 80% stock exposure, but as you approach 2035, then the stock exposure will gradually decline. You know, and bond exposure will gradually increase. And so that simply uh, is a reflection of the fact that okay, your time horizon for when you might need the money has shortened. And so it's just a really um, you know great way to invest. It's uh, target date funds are very diversified. You have large cap stock exposure, international exposure, smaller companies. Uh, you also have different types of bonds, shorter term bonds, corporate bonds, governments, you know. So it's it's a very diversified investment um, approach in most target date funds. And it's it's really a good solution for um, a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I know it is. And so what, you know, Chip was talking about is that these funds are on what, you know, people may call a glide path. So as of right now, let's say, you know, I'm, you know, almost 26 years old. Let's say my target date is in 40 years, let's say 20, you know. 2041 or 2061, 40 years. And so right now it's super growth oriented. And then over time it just gets lower, lower, and lower to less growth and gets more into the bond category. And really this is super easy to find online if you let's say T-Row price is a super um, common one we see in 401k plans. If you you know see that this is where a 401k plan has, and you just are curious, you can just Google T Rowe price. 2061 retirement date fund. And you can see, it'll show you the breakdown for free online of what, you know, what it looks like over time if, if you're interested. I think it's, you know, it's good to know what you're invested in, especially if we're talking about, you know, 20, 30, 40 years plus with your retirement money.
1: Yeah. And it's also good to point out, too, that with 401k plans that the employer uh, already has a responsibility to its their employees to make sure that the, the choices are adequate you know, to make sure that the internal costs are reasonable in the funds that you have and to maintain a menu of investment options that is reflective of your employee subset, right? So you, if you have, if most of your employees are in this accumulation phase, you want to see, you know, plenty of growth um, investment options and uh, maybe a smattering of, of more conservative options as well. But you want to make sure that, you know, you uh, are familiar, familiar with the, your 401k plan and, um, you know, at least the very bare, bare basics.
0: Yeah, and so, and another one, uh, or another, I guess, same thing about when you have a 401k plan, um, and, you know, we'll just gloss over this briefly, is that when you're younger, you know, maybe you're not in your highest earning years yet, I think it's important to look at a Roth 401k, just meaning that, you know, the taxes are taken out now. Um in your, in your 401k. So it's made with after tax dollars. And then when you take the funds out of the 401k, the funds are not taxed anymore. And it's not super great for someone, let's say, you know, 40, 50 you're in the highest earning years of your career, potentially not super important for that. But for someone who's a little younger, who thinks, you know, I have a lot of growth and I can, you know, make more in the future. I think it's a good, it's a good option to just to look at, you know, should I invest in a Roth 401k?
1: Yeah, and just you know, keep in mind that that's a, you know, you can make a change from the traditional four hundred one k to Roth four hundred one k pretty easily. Yeah. And so, just keep in mind that you you know, as your income changes and as tax rates change, you know, you need to reassess that decision periodically.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point. So, moving on from four hundred one k's, let's say you know, I have an emergency fund built up. I'm contributing to my four hundred one k. Now what can now what do I do next? And I think from there we really like. Roth IRAs. Again, if you are in that kind of, you know, lower-ish tax bracket where, you know, you say in the future I'm going to be making more money or I think tax rates are going to go up in the future, I think Roth IRAs are a good option to invest in. Absolutely.
1: And we love Ross and we yeah. talked about these extensively on our podcast yeah. and to, to clients and prospects in general. But, you know, they're just a great, it's a great type of account to have. It's tax exempt, You know, you have a certain amount of flexibility, and then we're talking about mid-career professionals, and, you know, you you can have access to a Roth funds, you know, uh, at least the original contribution that you've made to those accounts, you know, without penalty. So if, if, you know, something happens, you lose your job, you become disabled, whatever, you can still go back to a Roth and take some of that money out. And so to me, that just kind of gives you an element of flexibility, and it's something that we really – uh, value um, and put a lot of uh, emphasis on as we're kind of working with mid-career professionals in order to uh, kind of accumulate uh, funds uh, for retirement and also other 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 objectives.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so the you know the max you can put there a year is six thousand dollars if you're below fifty, and then seven thousand dollars if you're fifty and above, which is called a catch-up contribution. And so you know let's say all right, so now moving forward we have emergency fund for contributing to a 401 k, we max out a Roth IRA. Where can we invest next? And that's really where personal brokerage accounts come in. And we've done a podcast on this as well because, you know, new clients or people that aren't familiar with the financial industry, when they hear that term, they really get confused. But it's simply just a regular investment account. Um, And Chip, I don't know if you want to add anything on top of that, but, uh, you know, after Roth IRAs, that's kind of where we look at to invest next um, as it relates to that excess cash flow.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the good thing about a personal brokerage account is it's you can always access it. There's yeah. there's no penalty at all. You know, the, the downside, I suppose, is that, you know, it, it can be taxable each and every year. Uh, but you can structure your investment strategy in a tax-efficient way if you're careful. You can utilize uh, investments that are very tax-efficient there. Um, and you have ultimate control. Just like in the Roth IRA, you control... Uh, the investment strategy. So we talked about target date funds. Well, you can own target date funds in Roth IRAs. You can own target date funds in a personal brokerage account as well, if that's the path that you would like to pursue.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point. That you can really own any type of, you know, most types of investments in the personal brokerage account. And there's no limit, right, to how much you can put in. So let's say you crush it one year, you have a lot of money extra money you invest in that account. And like Chip said, there's no penalty other than capital gains to sell and take the money out, Um, which, you know, even then is not, you know, super high tax rate.
1: Yeah. And one thing I would love to point out for our mid-career professional listeners, you know, keep in mind that you may not, you may want to be a little bit more conservative in your allocation uh, on a personal brokerage account, right? Because that is an account technically that you could use for replacing your roof or, you know, down payment on a new car or, you know, what, whatever, you know, you can have access to that. And the last thing that anyone wants to do is, is have to sell stocks or sell stock funds at a bad time. Yeah. And so you might want to be a little bit more conservative. In other words, make, have a little bit more um, exposure to bonds and other conservative investments than you may have in your retirement plans your 401k and stuff so you know I would just point that out and you know we kind of think through that and help people you know think through where they are along this uh, mid-career professional cycle and and point out you know possible pitfalls and that sort of thing and 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 develop an investment strategy. But just keep in mind that with personal brokerage account, you may end up using at least a portion of that for something in the future. And so with that in mind, you know, just maybe keep it a little bit more conservative than your retirement accounts.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think wrapping up here, it's important to note that we did not mention education accounts, right? Because I know we have some mid-career professionals or, you know, some of my colleagues or people, you know, I've talked to who, you know, as soon as they have a kid, they ask, okay, I need to start a uh, uh, 529 plan now. I need to start saving for my children's education now in a, in a you know, education savings account. But that really is pretty, pretty much the lowest list on – um, the investment uh, options are where the money should go once you are a mid-career professional, right? Yeah,
1: I agree with that. You know, you want to take care of yourself. And, you know, but what you're doing is also embedding flexibility in your own situation so that, you know, in the event you need to uh, pay for out-of-pocket expenses, you have money available. Now, a 529 plans, there's benefits Uh, pros and cons, actually, to to 529 plans. And they're great plans. Yeah, Yeah, and we, we,
0: you know, recommend them for people that, you know, that it's right for and stuff like that. But as far as on the hierarchy, we see that a lot of times, like, misplaced.
1: Yeah, that's last on the pecking order, you know. You need to do all of these other things. And then if there's cash uh, cash flow surplus, let's see what we need to do for kids, you know, or or other uh, investment objectives um, or goals that you might
0: have. Exactly. You know, you could have a situation where you might not have a personal brokerage account. You've, you know, you've aggressively saved for your kid's education. However, you know, some unfortunate things have happened. I need to, you know, replace a roof, which is not cheap. And the only excess funds you have are in your children's 529 accounts. And that's not penalty free taking money out of there to replace a roof. I can promise you that. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. So we don't want to be we don't want to be in that situation. Now they're great. You know we'll have another podcast. You know the last podcast we'll have on mid career professionals is education planning. So it is super important, and we like to see you know parents with funds in those accounts. But as far as it relates to you know the hierarchy on investing your excess cash, that would be the lowest. Absolutely. So um, Chip, thanks for joining us. I think uh, this is a good you know a good start for a mid-career professional that, you know, has excess funds and, you know, I don't really know what to do next, that this is a good, a good place to start. Absolutely. So thanks for joining us, everybody, and we'll catch you guys next time on Finance in a Flash. <laughs>